The average person spends roughly 10,000 days of their adult life working. So this is 10,000 Days, a podcast exploring career journeys and the ways that we can apply that time to make a positive impact in the world. The goal of this podcast is to offer you tools, strategies, and inspiration to reflect on your own career. We have an amazing lineup of guests joining us this season that will help you navigate your journey, design the career that you want, and find the courage to make it happen. Welcome everyone to the 10,000 Days Podcast. I'm Ian Brody here with my co-host, Greg Ogiba. And on this episode, we are joined by Richa Gupta, founder and CEO of Good Food for Good. Richa has such an exciting journey that you'll hear about going from a large corporate CPG enterprise to launching Good Food for Good, which is a growing impact-focused food business. And as Richa shares her journey, we dive into some really important career topics like uh, discovering who you are, staying true to yourself, making an impact, and ultimately what it takes to grow a successful business. Richa is someone that, that always knew she wanted to use her 10,000 days to do some good in the world. And that's exactly what she's doing today at Good Food for Good. Definitely. And Good Food for Good, it's an impact-focused food company offering healthier alternatives to products that are often super high in sugar and preservatives. So things like ketchups and barbecue sauces. And through their buy one, feed one program, the company donates one meal for every product purchased. Richa always knew she wanted to make an impact. She knew she had a unique skill set in marketing and product development, but it took a couple career experiences for her ideas to come to life and for her to make that jump and launch her own business. Exactly. And, and that's the key. She took a risk, but it was a calculated one. I love her approach. I love how she planned for it. And I love that Good Food for Good has, has managed to donate over 1 million meals as of today. Yeah, it's such an impressive milestone and a really impressive guest for the show. Greg, is there anything in particular that you are hoping that we can leave the audience with in this episode? I think the most important thing is that if your heart is telling you to do something, then make a plan and, and go for it. Rich's plan was smart. And even if it didn't work out, she, she had something to fall back on. So we're not saying you have to go out and start a new company, but taking calculated risks is how you grow. And there's no time like now. So enjoy our conversation with Richa Gupta. So welcome to the third episode of the 10,000 Days podcast, Richa Gupta. Hi, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me here. On this episode, we're going to talk about good food for good, about your career, about your personal journey, and about the work-life balance in founding and growing a successful business. I, I want to start off with your background in the fashion industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how it impacted your journey to the food industry? I wanted to be in fashion since, you know, my teenage years. And that's what something that I pursued uh, right out of my school, worked in the industry for over 10 years before moving into food. Um, and for me, it was the realization that I was struggling for buttons and threads while there are bigger challenges in the world that needed to be acted on and that I was part of a very superficial industry. 
that made me move to food. While I was in fashion, I worked at actually Hudson's Bay here in Canada. Um, and at that time, I was also pregnant with my daughter. Um, and perhaps it has something to do with uh, becoming a parent and uh, being responsible for another life that you start thinking more and more about your purpose in the world. Um, so I decided to do my MBA. So I did my MBA from Schulich during my maternity leave and then switched to food. And I convinced myself that, hey, food touches all lives. We all need food. Um, it's a, more of a meaningful profession, meaningful use of my talents. Um, so I decided to switch to food. Richa, on a previous podcast, you referred to the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. Are those words that you've always tried to live by? Or is that drive to make an impact and be the change something that you've developed as you matured, uh, started a family and so on? I know that quote somehow had stayed with me for a very long period of time. Um, I cannot say that I have always acted on that. But definitely after becoming a parent, it felt like, or maybe it's like, hey, I don't have any more time to just, you know, beat around the bush. I need to act if I want change to happen. It can't be just wishful thinking. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's talk about that transition to the, the CPG world, the, the food world. How did you wind up there? So I... Uh, Right after my MBA, actually, during my MBA, I did my internship at General Mills, um, General Mills Canada, amazing, amazing people. And uh, they offered me after the internship a full-time role. So, you know, I could, as I said, I convinced myself that, hey, food touches millions of lives, right? Like we all need it. So let's put my talents to work in food industry. And for, I, I should say for the first year or so, it felt very good like General Mills is a place where they really empower people so even though I joined as an associate marketing manager I had the freedom to make decisions um, to be part of building a brand to be part of in their worlds changing lives um, and nourishing lives that's what General Mills mission was However, uh, a year and a half in my role uh, became a lot more about holistic margin management, which allowed me to dig a bit more into ingredients, ingredients and packaging, like everything that involves like cost of the product and figuring out a way, whether it's in supply chain, whether it's in ingredients, whether it's in product to improve the margins. That's when I started learning a lot more about what goes in food you know, what ingredient is there for nutrition and what ingredient is there for filler or as a preservative. And, uh, and during that time, I think the information about processed food and food ingredients and artificial ingredients and what they were doing to human body was also everywhere, right? Like it's somehow around 2010, 2011, like that period, at least in my, my sphere, that information became like started just coming up in, on everything, whether it's newspaper, whether it's social media, like everybody was talking about it. So when I was doing that, and I, I, what I tried to do was based on the information that I was seeing outside, the trends that I was seeing outside, I tried to convince 
folks at General Mills that, hey, this is where people are going. Everybody is talking about clean ingredients. We need to, we need to move towards that journey. However, it's a big ship, right? For a big ship to, to turn, it takes, it takes a longer time. And that just gave, like, made me frustrated in a way with why are we not able to change things fast enough if we know what we are putting in our food. Now we know. Maybe we didn't know when we launched the product. But now we know that what we are putting in our food is not really good for us. The, uh, the struggle inside, right? Like here I was, left everything in fashion, trying to do something that I thought would make a positive difference. And here I am sitting again in a place, in a company where I'm not contributing towards the good, right? Mm-hmm. Towards, towards being on, on the good side of things about towards making positive difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So that struggle caused, uh, you know, a lot of anxiety in me, a lot of depression, um, didn't know what I should be doing next till, you know, this idea about good food for good came to me. And I felt like I was in love. Mm-hmm. I saw this light that uh, convinced me that I had to follow it. And I did that. I love your journey, Richa, because it ties so incredibly well with our first two episodes about staying true to yourself and about maintaining a search-based mindset which is something we talked about on our last episode with Professor Steve Gideon, where you don't know what that next step is or what the next opportunity is, but that's okay. You know, after doing your MBA, you transitioned to food where you thought you could make more positive impact. Doesn't really sound like that was the case in that first experience, but you kept that searching lens on, you kept that positive mindset, you know, and, and you remain true to yourself in wanting to still create that positive change and cue good food for good. Exactly. <laughs> Just going back to your MBA at Schulich, like when you enrolled there, did you have an idea what you would be wanted to do afterwards? Or did you, what, what was your, your plan when you enrolled? Yeah. So I enrolled at Schulich thinking I'll uh, get into nonprofits because there was such a big calling to do something more meaningful, I thought nonprofit is a clear answer. And during Shulik, I met with a lot of EDs at different nonprofits. Um, And during the conversations I learned, it's not something that I, at that stage of my career, was ready to get into. Um, I did not like the reliance on fundraising, on somebody's philanthropy, for us to make to make a difference. Um, so I truly was looking for something else, which is not relying on philanthropy. So, so through this process, uh, Ian just mentioned, you know, it's, it's, there's, it's not exactly linear anymore. It's a, it's a bit of a search, but you at the same time figured out what you wanted to do. What are some of the elements in the direction you wanted to go, but also learn some of the things that you didn't want to do which is equally as important. And I think to me, what I didn't want to do was way more important than what I wanted to do. Um, I was, there was more clarity on what I didn't want to do because of what I've done, right? I have some experience, so I know, hey, I did that, that made me uncomfortable. So I definitely don't want to do that because what I want to do is more of a dream state. 
but the lessons that I learned from from the reality um, helped me form what I really didn't want to do. So let's talk about that transition and the planning to good food for good and 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 I guess that that jump right. Um, can you just kind of walk us through in a little bit more detail what your mindset was, what the steps were um, in planning and executing that transition? So I, I knew when the idea came to me and an idea came more so a combination of my personal journey and also trends that were happening in the market. So as a young mom working in as a marketing executive, I was finding it very challenging to feed my own child. There was a lot of mom guilt involved because I grew up in India. I grew up where my mother cooked um, meals with fresh ingredients every day. And here I had to make one meal, um, though I only had 20 minutes to do, to do that from the time I came back home to the time my daughter had to go to bed. But anything, any shortcuts that I looked uh, on the shelves was loaded with all those ingredients that I'd learned about, that how bad they can be for you. And I definitely did not want to feed my child those ingredients. So, so when the idea, which was combination of what I've learned as what's trending and what's non-existent and the need that I felt, I knew there was something to it. I knew, I knew there is a gap in the market, but I wanted to test it out before, you know, jumping with both, both feet. So I, uh, what I, how I started working on it, I, I decided to do my recipe development even while I was at General Mills and I was sampling it to friends and family to see what they think. Then once I left the company, my plan was to do farmer's market uh, for a short period of time. So I get better understanding of the consumers before I make the product retail ready. Um, so I gain more understanding on who the consumer is, what they like, how often do they, do they eat, what's the spice. Like there's so many things in food, right, uh, that, you need to, that you need to take care of. Um, and also for me, it was the the letting go of a job and getting into uh, an entrepreneurship was more of a learning opportunity. I saw it as a learning opportunity. Um, I gave myself five years. It was like, okay, if in five years, I don't make it, let me give five years to this new idea that I have. If I don't make it, at least I would have learned something about how to run a business or you know, other skills that would be transferable for me. Um, and also I, uh, I have family support, right? I have a husband who had a great job that time. Now he's full-time joined good food for good, but we had a great job. So we know it's not that if I leave my job and start a business, we'll be on the road, right on the streets. So, so there was, a there was a financial stability, to, to where I was. We had to cut down a few expenses. But other than that, um, I think it was a very well thought out decision. Because uh, you know, at end of the day, if your basics are not, you know, if you can't pay your rent, if you can't pay your, for your food, those things really stress you out. So that thing that you love becomes the thing that you hate. So my basic mm -hmm. needs were met. This was more on my... Uh, my soul's need that I was trying to go for. 
So let's talk about family and work-life balance. Your daughter, Rhea, joined you on the Dragon's Den pitch, which was outstanding. And to our listeners, I would absolutely recommend that you go and check it out. But Richard, what are your views and your approach to balancing family and business? They both are equal parts of my life. So I, I don't consider work and family, at least in my case, they are not two separate things. They are things that I want to, they are, I should say, buckets I want to spend my time in, right? Um, so it's a flow for me. It's more of a um, life. And work is like what I do for a living is part of that. And what I do for my family is part of that. What I do for my health is also part of that, right? So it's more of a continuum to me. Um, this work has allowed me or given me the flexibility to be able to do things when I want to do them. So let's say if I have to take my dog for a walk at noon, I take her out for a walk at noon and I'm with her when I take her. If I have to go pick up my daughter at three, I go pick up my daughter at three. I plan my day around everything that I like, whether it's mm -hmm. fitness, whether it's healthy eating, I cook meal, if not seven, at least six times a, a week. Um, I cook from all fresh ingredients. Like I have been able to really take care of my health. I try and get on the mat uh, minimum three times a week for at least six hours in total or five times and like total six to seven hours a week. I'm able to do that. I'm able to go for walks. I'm still able to manage a business. It's it's about flexibility. It's not the, you know, I don't see it as eight hours on this and eight hours on that kind of balance. I see more as this is all that I like my life to be with. Then I build everything around it. Uh, see, I, I love the, the, the fact that you, you essentially set your own schedule. And I, I run my own company as well. And it's, it's a similar thing. But sort of the trade-off of that flexibility and that freedom is that you never really can step away from the business. Is that your experience as well as an entrepreneur that you're, it's very difficult to get a day off or, or is good food for good, maybe grown to a point where you could actually start to delegate. How has that been for you? Um, again, I like, I think I've taken off, but never like a, let's say 24 hours off, but uh, I, I have taken, like when I'm out with my friends, I'm actually fully out with my friends. I don't even check my phone. Did you say you've, you've Sorry, 24 ahead. hours? 24 hours is, is the most you've taken off. Is that what I heard? Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've gone for a vacation in a very, very long time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, I, but it doesn't feel, but I don't even feel like, to be honest, um, I don't feel stressed. I don't know how to explain that. I, I, I remember being in a, you know, in roles where I couldn't wait to just take vacation or couldn't wait for the weekend to come. Here, like when weekend is there, now it's not as bad as before. But when weekend comes, I used to like, I used to be like, oh my God, things that could be done now cannot be done because people are not there for two days. <laughs> and it's not that I, there's never a time when I'm not on my, when I'm not checking my emails. Right. Like every day, you know, even if I'm traveling, I just at a point I would check my emails, I would respond to my emails. But I haven't, I if you are asking, have I ever completely switched off? Like I'm not an entrepreneur? No, that never happens. Right. You're always 
once you become, it's like once you become a parent, you're a parent. So I see a business as you're another child. <laughs> once you yeah. have a child, you have a child. Right? You're a parent Which now. can be exhausting, but at the same time, and it sounds like this is the case for you, Richa, it can also be very energizing. Like, like it sounds like you get a lot of energy from your work. I do because I, I again, I've stopped seeing or I actually don't see it as work. So it's become, it's, it's, to me, it's life. To me, I can't even imagine life without like something that I enjoy doing so much. Researching about food, like I would have done it even if no one pays me money, right? Like definitely there are parts of it that I don't enjoy, like the, some of the admin work that I don't enjoy at all, but you do it, but that's part of any job or even taking care of family. Like who likes wiping their kid's butt, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's part of parenting <laughs> and uh, and you do it for those smiles and those hugs uh, and the joy that children give and it's the same thing for when you're building a business or doing work that's meaningful to you you do some shitty stuff so that you can enjoy the not so shitty stuff yeah yeah so okay so let's switch gears uh back to good food for good um and, and the impact that Good Food for Good strives to make. There's the healthy eating side, right? Um, one date per jar instead of processed sugars and preservatives. Um, but then there's also the meal donation side. For those that don't know, Good Food for Good donates meals through Food Banks Canada, Akshaya Patra, and the Los Angeles Food Bank. Can you expand on the purpose of good food for good and the impacts that you strive to create with it. Richard, before you answer, I want to say congratulations. I think you just hit a big milestone for meals delivered. Yes. One, one million meals. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been an, an awesome journey. Um, financially, maybe I might not be at the stage where, you know, if I wouldn't have left my CPG world where I would be. Uh, but uh, the satisfaction that the difference that Good Food for Good has made gives is, is beyond words. Um, so, so just to go back to Ian's question, uh, Good Food for Good, our purpose is to make it easy for people to eat well and do good. Um, good Food for Good is not just our name. It's like our decision-making tool. So when it comes to food, we always make sure there is nothing in our food that's not good. Um, so everything is certified organic. Um, for our condiments line, yes, it's a date per jar because condiments, what I discovered was were loaded with sugar. Uh, for people who uh, are trying to avoid added sugars in their diet, even when they you know, give up cookies, give up desserts, give up soda, they don't realize how much sugar they're consuming through condiments. So for example, a serving of Heinz ketchup has the same amount of sugar as a Chips Ahoy cookie. And a serving of Sweet Baby Ray would have the same amount of sugar as four Chips Ahoy cookies. Oh, I don't yeah. know about you, I know about you, but I would rather eat a cookie, right? If I'm allowed only six teaspoons a day, which is what WHO recommends that added sugars, we should consume not more than six teaspoons a day. So if my quota for a day is six teaspoons, I would rather have a piece of cake or a cookie versus have it with my tofu, 
right? So, so that was the idea behind our condiments and that one day per jar, but we also have um, a line of cooking sauces, which are low sugar, no dairy. So again, wherever sugar is needed, we replace it with dates because dates are one, have no side effect. They're loaded with nutrients and they have the same sweetening feel that you would get from sugar, but just higher quality. So that's, uh, that's on the food side. Uh, on the for good side, when I was just starting out the company, um, I remember reading these facts about how one in nine people still go to bed hungry, right? And uh, one of the recent Lancet study talked about how one in five people today die because of diseases related to a bad diet. So we live in a world today where on one side, people are dying because of, you know, eating too much of bad food. And on the other side, people are dying because they don't have enough food. So when I was starting Good Food for Good, I wanted to create something that made a difference in both those problems. So with good food, we are making difference in part of the abundance of bad food, like trying to give some good alternatives to people who want to eat good. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, with For Good Side, I want to make a difference in that one in nine people who still go to bed hungry, who don't have access to food by giving money to food banks who do such an incredible job of providing real good food to people in need. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as um, Greg mentioned, uh, as of September, 2021, uh, we've donated over a million meals and that's a very, very exciting milestone for Good Food for Good. And I am so excited to share that with you guys. So are we. That's Absolutely. amazing. And th- there really is an impact there and there's evidence in, you know, the numbers and and in the nutrition facts uh, as well. And I've seen that Good Food for Good is a certified B Corp. And for those that don't know, this is a certifying body that verifies, you know, the, the social and the environmental impacts of a business and really recognizes companies that are redefining success to focus more on impact and maybe less on profit. Do you think more and more businesses are starting to put that focus more on impact as the primary driver for success? Definitely more businesses are looking at that because consumers are demanding that. But still that percentage, to be honest, is fairly small as compared to um, the mass. There are more people who definitely are trying to go towards like cleaner ingredients, right? Again, mm-hmm. more for better for better for you is still way bigger than better for all where we and B Corps fit in. Like you're not just talking about this is better for you because you are consuming it, you'll be healthier, but this is better for you. This is better for the planet. This is better for everyone that's involved in creating that. This is better for the society overall. Like for us, uh, we choose glass as packaging, even though glass is more complicated to ship in today's e-commerce world. It's heavier. Uh, It breaks than plastic because we didn't want to contribute anymore to the plastic pollution that already plagues our planet. Um, However, there are many companies who would make a better for you product, but still pack it in plastic because Mm -hmm. the... The goal is just to 
create something that's better for me as a person doesn't need to be better. So I think that's where the B Corp differentiation helps or B Corp because they push you to be, or they, I should not say push because they never do push. They guide you because mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. they have a structure and then you, you know, you can see, Oh, you know what, by doing this, I'm making a positive impact on X. So let me take care of this. Um, and that's what for us, good, Good is not just about good for you. Good is about good for all. Uh, and that's what we strive to do with Good Food for Good. So before we let you go, Richa, for, for those listeners that are considering making a change, you know, either a big career move, a life change, a startup, what, what is the one big piece of advice that you would want to give to them? One piece is very hard. I am always more talkative than one, but I'll try to stick to one. <laughs> but I, I would say first piece of advice I would give is if, you're, if your heart's telling you to do something, it's worth a try. But uh, if you are nervous about it, make a plan mm-hmm. and uh, take a calculated risk, but do take the risk because mm-hmm. if you don't take it, then you would never know. Really just taking that first step taking the first step because you would never know where it leads you next well thank you so much richa for joining the podcast it was great to have you on and congratulations again on hitting the one million meals mark with good food for good and uh thank you so much thank you thank you for inviting me it's uh, always so good chatting with you guys so we hope you enjoyed our conversation with richa as much as we did Her journey to Good Food for Good is so insightful and so inspiring. It's a great story. And again, I love how Richa took the time to reflect, to make a plan, and she went for it. On the next episode, we switch gears to look at entrepreneurship and what it takes to find fulfillment and and success within modern organizations. We'll be joined by Nova Nicole, Leadership Development Facilitator at Shopify. And Nova's energy and her insights in this one are so amazing, especially as we dive into topics like diversity, self-empowerment, and expecting more from your employers. Nova brings so much positive energy to the conversation, so be sure to join us. This has been the 10,000 Days Podcast. We'll see you soon.